The media and Democrats trot out a wild conspiracy theory about the U.S. mail. Joe Biden is still hiding in his basement. And Kamala Harris just admitted how dishonest she is. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your data from prying eyes at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Well, I hope that you had a wonderful weekend. I had a great weekend with my family. Thank you for asking. Except that part where we went down to Santa Monica, which has turned into a complete hellscape. It really is unbelievable. I'll get to that a little bit later on in the program when we discuss the collapse of America's major cities, because it really is incredible. I mean, this is one of the most beautiful places on earth, and it has basically been turned into a litter-heaped place where where drug-addicted people scream at people in open-air restaurants. It's, it's really pretty incredible. I'll get to that in a little while. First, let's talk about the fact that the national race is now seeming to tighten just a little bit according to certain polls. So there's a, a one outlier poll. It is from CNN. And this outlier poll shows Joe Biden leading Donald Trump by just four points, 50 to 46, which would put Trump well within striking distance of winning the presidency again. The same poll shows that in the 15 battleground states, Joe Biden and Donald Trump are in a dead heat, 49-48 Biden. Well, those are the numbers that Trump has to be looking for. It means that the race has not actually widened in the aftermath of Joe Biden picking Kamala Harris. He may have, in fact, hit his high watermark. And that is not unusual in presidential races when you hit the conventions, when people select their running mates. That's usually when you get the biggest boost. Now, the thing is that Biden was actually running pretty well ahead of Donald Trump before he picked Kamala Harris. Then he picked Kamala Harris. And it seems like at the very least, things have not gotten wider against Donald Trump. So she really has not given the boost that he was sort of looking for. And that is not particularly surprising because, again, she wasn't a surprise candidate. There's not a lot of enthusiasm behind her, despite the media's attempts to trot out enthusiasm for her. So now they're looking for another story because Kamala Harris ain't going to do it. Kamala Harris is not going to be the story that puts Joe Biden over the top. She's an utterly charmless politician, as revealed by the fact that she had a year long campaign that resulted in a complete dud, forcing her out of the race before the first primary. She left she was, so she wouldn't get humiliated in her home state of California. Kamala Harris was was a failure of a candidate on every level, and then he plucked her from kind of mid-obscurity again and then made her the VP candidate. That's not going to be enough to drive people to the polls in any sort of massive numbers. So what we need from now until the election, if you're a Democrat, is you need a bunch of Trumpian scandals. So the Democrats have settled on their one scandal that's the permanent scandal, and then they're going to go for a bunch of little scandals. The permanent scandal is COVID. COVID is always going to be the narrative from now up till the election, up until Joe Biden enters office, at which point presumably the story will largely dissipate. But for now, the story is going to be Joe Biden would have handled this completely differently. Can you explain how? No, nobody can explain how. Joe Biden says that he would have pushed for a national mask mandate for which he has no constitutional authority. He would have told governors to tell people to mask up, which would have had no impact whatsoever. It's unclear in the extreme what exactly Joe Biden would have done differently from Donald Trump. Not to say that Trump hasn't made mistakes, but there's very little evidence to the effect that Joe Biden's handling of COVID would have been wildly different from Donald Trump's because, frankly, everybody has gotten this thing wrong. It's, it's very difficult to point to nations that did it completely right, that were heavy hit at the beginning. And that's the real distinction. If you look at COVID, it never really hit Germany all that hard. It did hit Italy very hard. It hit Spain very hard. It hit the UK very hard. All of those countries have very disparate leaders, have very disparate medical programs, and all of them got absolutely walloped. So the idea that Trump is the big mistake with COVID, that Trump really blew COVID on a major level. Meanwhile, Andrew Cuomo was doing a great job over in New York. It's unsustainable. But that is going to be the Democrat talking point. And if COVID remains front of mind up till the election, that's got a good shot of driving Biden into the Oval Office. But even that is not enough because Democrats know that things could shift, right? What we could see over the course of the next few months 
is that it's possible that COVID burned its way through New York and New Jersey already. And it's not like there's a huge vulnerable population that hasn't already been hit by COVID. It's possible that the wave that we just saw hitting the southern states, that that actually ends up being kind of it. We just don't know the answer. So in risk-averse fashion, Democrats are putting their eggs in a bunch of different baskets. So the scandal du jour, the scandal of the day, is that Donald Trump hates the mailboxes. He hates the mailboxes. Now, you're saying to yourself, what? Um, and, and also, what? Okay, so Donald Trump has been saying for months that he does not like the idea of universal mail-in voting, which is correct. I mean, universal mail-in voting is a very bad idea. The reason universal mail-in voting is a very bad idea is because essentially there are two problems. One, the deadlines for the post office do not meet with the deadline of the election. The U.S. Postal Service actually put out a letter about this in July of 2020. This was a letter put out, is like a long letter actually, put out by the Postal Service talking about all of the problems that they have with the deadlines for mailing ballots. Here is a little bit of that letter from Thomas Marshall, who is the general counsel for the U.S. Postal Service, and he sent it to a bunch of different state election commissions. Said, with the 2020 general election rapidly approaching, this letter follows up on my letter dated May 29th, 2020. That letter highlighted some key aspects of the Postal Service's delivery processes. The purpose of this letter is to focus specifically on the deadlines for requesting and casting ballots by mail. In particular, we wanted to note that under our reading of South Carolina's election laws, certain deadlines for requesting and casting mail-in ballots are incongruous with the Postal Service's delivery standards. This mismatch creates a risk that ballots requested near the deadline under state law will not be returned by mail in time to be counted under your laws as we understand them. As I stated, the two main classes of mail that are used for ballots are first-class mail and USPS marketing mail, the latter of which includes the nonprofit postage rate. Voters must use first-class mail to mail their ballots and ballot requests, while state or local election officials may generally use either first-class mail or marketing mail to mail blank ballots to voters. While the specific transit times for either class of mail cannot be guaranteed and depend on factors such as a given mail piece's place of origin and destination, most domestic first-class mail is delivered two to five days after it is received by the Postal Service, and most domestic marketing mail is delivered three to ten days after it is received. Well, that means that you need to really submit your ballot 15 days before the election at a minimum if you want it to be counted, right? And this is what the Postal Service is literally telling various election officials all over the country as of July. Quote, where voters will receive and send a ballot by mail, voters should submit their ballot request early enough so it is received by election officials at least 15 days before Election Day at a minimum, and preferably long before that. In responding to a ballot request, election officials should consider that the ballot needs to be in the hands of the voter so that he or she has adequate time to complete it and put it back in the mail so that it can be processed and delivered by the applicable deadline. Accordingly, the Postal Service recommends that election officials use first-class mail to transmit blank ballots and allow one week for delivery to voters. To allow enough time for ballots to be returned to election officials, domestic voters should generally mail their completed ballots at least one week before the state's due date. So if the state law requires ballots to be returned by Election Day, voters should mail their ballots no later than Tuesday, October 27th. But the problem is that a lot of state requirements are incompatible with the Postal Service's delivery standards. For example, they'll say that you have to mail the thing four days before the election. But if it takes seven days for it to arrive, it's going to arrive three days after the election, which is a complete mess. And it doesn't just depend on, on when it is postmarked. It depends on what's, when it arrives. So theoretically, you could get a ballot two weeks after the election. Nobody's going to know what the hell is going on. According to the general counsel for the post office, it appears a completed ballot must be received by election day to be counted. If that understanding is correct, we accordingly recommend that voters who choose to mail their ballots do, do so no later than Tuesday, October 27th. However, it further appears, this is the South Carolina standard, which is very similar to a lot of standards around the country. It further appears that state law generally permits voters to request a ballot as late as four days before the election. 
If a voter submits such a request at or near that deadline, and if the requested ballot is transmitted to the voter by mail, there's a significant risk the, the ballot will not reach the voter before Election Day and that the voter will not be able to use the ballot to cast his or her vote. Which means that you may end up with a situation where the election actually happens. People submit a ballot after the actual election, and then they claim that their right to vote has been compromised because they abided by the applicable law. And it's the the Postal Service's fault. Okay, so that is problem number one with universal mail-in balloting. Problem number two is the general problem of universal mail-in balloting combined with ballot harvesting. So ballot harvesting is the practice whereby you deploy a bunch of Republican operatives, for example, to suburbs, knowing who is registered Republican. And these are all people who have a ballot that's just sitting in their house. And then you stand at the door and you tell them that you want them to vote for Republicans. Right? Or you do this, or if you're a Democrat, you do the same thing. What this ends up with is not really equal access to the ballot box. What it really ends up being is who gets reminded by the party to vote in time to hand the ballots to some party operative. And that is not even assuming that the party operative then goes into their car, goes in the backseat and starts punching out the chads, right? So there's all sorts of potential for, at the very least, forget the fraud for a second, for absolute confusion, for a complete mess. And we have seen cases in which voter confusion or vote or vote tally problems have been a real issue. Right? There's a Washington state gubernatorial race between Dino Rossi and uh, I think it was Christine Guaguar going all the way back in which the Republican appeared to be one and appeared to win. And then there were all sorts of balloting problems. And the Democrat ended up grabbing the gubernatorial seat uh, in, in Washington state. We've seen this with Norm Coleman and Al Franken, where Norm Coleman won a Senate seat. And then Al Franken, they discovered magically well after the election, a box of ballots all marked for Al Franken. And boom, Al Franken was not only in the Senate, he was the final vote for Obamacare. So we've seen this sort of stuff happen before. In New York right now, there's a state congressional race in which ballots are still being tabulated two and a half weeks after the election, right? So this thing is a complete mess. And when Trump says he's not in favor of universal mail-in balloting, he is correct. There is a difference between absentee balloting. This is you say that you are looking for a ballot. So you send in a form to the state requesting the ballot. It comes to you and then you vote, right? There's a difference between that and the state simply sending out actual ballots to everyone, which is a another potential for voter fraud because it turns out that the state's roles are usually filled with Dead people, people who have moved, right? people who no longer live there. And so you got a bunch of ballots floating around that have your name on them and that literally you, you have nothing, you're not even there, you're not even in your house. So there is a real potential for vote manipulation, for voter, right? All of those are serious and real concerns. All of those are serious and real concerns. Democrats have decided that the Trump administration is seeking to defund the U.S. Postal Service in order to prevent people from mailing in their ballots. In a second, I'm gonna get to why they think that what President Trump did to exacerbate this and why it's complete crap. I mean, it really is. And this has led to some unbelievably conspiratorial talk about all of this. We're going to get to it in just one second. First, you should care about encrypting your data. Why? Well, it's often easy for a hacker to bypass Wi-Fi security and steal your information by exploiting flaws like crack. That's crack with a K in case you want to Google it. That's why I use ExpressVPN to stay secure online. It's hard to know whether your device or network is vulnerable if you ever use Wi-Fi at a hotel or a shopping mall coffee house. You're sending data over an open network, which means no encryption at all. The best way to ensure your data is encrypted and cannot be read by hackers is to use ExpressVPN. Just download the ExpressVPN app on your computer or smartphone, tap one button to secure 100% of your network data, and then use the internet just the way you normally would. ExpressVPN is really reliable. It's the fastest VPN service that I have personally tried. They're also rated the number one VPN provider by review sites, 
like TechRadar and CNET. There's really no reason to leave your information exposed to hackers and also to social media companies who just want to make a buck off of you. If you want the best in online security and privacy protection, head on over to expressvpn.com slash Ben for three extra months free with a one-year package. Protect your internet today with the VPN I trust to keep my data safe. Go to expressvpn.com slash Ben to get started. Again, that's expressvpn.com slash Ben to get started. Expressvpn.com slash Ben to get three months for free with a three extra months for free with a one-year package. Okay, so the the universal mail-in balloting point uh, is one that is fairly compelling, right? The idea that, that the Postal Service is not capable of doing this, that the deadlines don't match up, that there's the potential for not only voter fraud, but extraordinary voter confusion because because when exactly are the votes actually going to be tabulated? When exactly are the votes going to come in? This was admitted by Chris Wallace over the weekend on Fox News. He said, you know, Trump kind of has a point on this universal mail-in balloting stuff. I know the Democrats say that that President Trump is trying to block mail-in voting and trying to block billions of dollars more for the Postal Service in order to suppress voting in this election. But but hear me out for a minute. Isn't it possible that the president really has a point here? As I mentioned earlier, there were 33 million either absentee or mail-in ballots in 2016. If we have double that or triple that, uh, isn't there a pretty good chance that we will have a mess at the least and, yes, possibly fraud? OK, and that's exactly right. Of course, Mark Meadows, who's the president's chief of staff, he, he came on television over the weekend. He also said he was talking with Jake Tapper on CNN State of the Union that Trump opposes universal mail-in voting. Here is Mark Meadows explaining. The president doesn't have a problem with uh, anybody voting by mail. If you would look at it in terms of maybe a no excuse absentee uh, ballot, what he opposes is universal mail in ballots where you send uh, millions of ballots out to registered voters across the country, uh, even those that don't request it. Uh, you know, I've, I've worked a, a number of times at a precinct and I know how those roles are not accurate. Okay, so all of this is true. Jake Tapper, for his part, he's been promoting. Jake's a good reporter, generally, I think. But but there's been there have been problems in the media. The media keeps saying things like there's no evidence of voter fraud. Okay, first of all, there is some evidence of voter fraud. In fact, there's a pretty high profile voter fraud case. I believe it was in North Carolina with an actual Republican congressperson steal almost stealing a seat. I mean, it was was the basic accusation. As I say, there have certainly been voter confusion issues. There's one going on in New York State right now. Here is Jake Tapper maintaining that there's no widespread evidence of voter fraud. So what are we worried about? 200 million people voting by absentee ballot. I mean, that, that is not a good argument. Do you realize how inaccurate the voter rolls are with just people just moving around, not let alone the people that die off, but sending ballots out just just based on a voter roll registration? Anytime you move, you'll change your driver's license, right. but, but you don't call up and say, hey, no by the way, of widespread voter fraud, though. Uh, that's, but there's no that's evidence not, of widespread there's, voter there's fraud. No, there's no there's no evidence that there's not either. That's the definition of fraud, Jake. OK, and, and people were mocking Meadows for saying there's no evidence that there's not either. Well, I mean, there is evidence of voter fraud. I mean, the DOJ has been prosecuting it. There have been a few cases of it. And as I say, we've seen some pretty significant voter, uh, if, if not fraud, then, then significant voter confusion. I would say outcome confusion in a variety of races, all of which prompted President Trump to tweet over the weekend, Elizabeth Harrington from the from the RNC, she tweeted after what happened in Patterson, 20 percent of ballots thrown out, ballots stolen out of mailboxes, dead people voting. What Democrats are doing in New Jersey is fraud. They know it will be a disaster. They know it will weaken confidence. They're doing it anyway. And President Trump tweeted out the Democrats know the 2020 election will be a fraudulent mess. We'll maybe never know who won. OK, so he's being ripped up and down for this. He's undermining the credibility of our elections. 
You know, one way that you don't undermine the credibility of elections is through universal mail-in voting. Okay, so this crosses stream. This argument about universal mail-in voting and its propriety in a time of COVID and whether it's necessary. By the way, the answer is it's not necessary. Anthony Fauci says, if you are able to go to the grocery store, you're able to vote. Okay, which is a fair argument from Anthony Fauci, right? They've got the vote of candles for Anthony Fauci, the greatest of all advisors on COVID. People have been going to the grocery store. People have been going out to stores to buy things. The retail sector is actually up now from where it was just a few months ago. There was widespread voting in Wisconsin in a primary. It didn't it didn't create an uptick in COVID. If people can vote. You can vote in person. You just socially distance. It's not that big a deal. The idea that you have to vote from home because of COVID is just is not backed by the health policy of the United States. Nonetheless, this is being pushed forward by Democrats because they feel that their advantage is, in fact, in mass mail-in voting, as well as in massive ballot gathering by their various apparatchiks around the United States. Okay, so this has crossed stream with a second debate that is happening, and that's about the funding of the Postal Service. And you have to understand this argument, which we'll get to in just one second, to understand the quote-unquote scandal that is now emerging, which is a false scandal. It's not real. We're going to get to it in just one second. First, let us talk about something really important, your sleep quality. So you may think about your mattress. We've talked about mattresses before on the show. You may think about, you know, the quality of your air conditioning. You may think about a lot, of, but you never think about your sheets. You should think about your sheets because a nice pair of sheets really is going to make your sleeping experience so much better. And you think, okay, I'm just going to go pick out the one that has the highest thread count. Do you even know what a thread count is? Do you even thread count, bro? Like it doesn't, the thread count is not what defines whether a sheet is comfortable or not. You know what defines whether a sheet is comfortable? I'll tell you the, the easy answer. Does it have bull and branch? On the branding. Bull and Branch is the, and I can testify to this, I use Bull and Branch sheets. They are fantastic. Millions of Americans and three former U.S. presidents know that Bull and Branch sheets are the softest, most comfortable, pure organic cotton sheets on earth. Bull and Branch cotton is rain-fed, pesticide-free, carries the highest organic certification, which is why it is so soft. Because they work with family-owned mills all over the world to expertly weave every set of Bull and Branch sheets with the highest level of craftsmanship, it's quality you can feel the moment you open the box. And since they sell direct to you, Bull and Branch sheets start at just $160. These are $1,000 quality sheets for a fraction of the price. Plus, you can sleep on them for a month risk-free. And right now, you get 50 bucks off any sheet set at bullandbranch.com with promo code Ben Shapiro. It's spelled B-O-L-L and branch.com. Promo code Ben Shapiro for 50 bucks off. Bullandbranch.com. Promo code Ben Shapiro. Restrictions may apply. See bullandbranch.com for details. Go check them out right now. Okay, so you have two issues with the mail. One is universal mail-in voting. The second is the funding of the post office. So when it comes to universal mail-in voting, at least 77% of American voters can cast ballots by mail in the fall. 51 million Americans will have a ballot automatically sent to them. That includes states like Washington, Oregon, California, Nevada, Utah, Colorado. And then there are states where you can vote by mail, which is pretty much all the states. And then there are a few states where you need an excuse beyond just you're scared of COVID-19 in order to request an absentee ballot, which makes more sense, right? You actually have to show why you can't go down to a voting booth. That would be like Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, South Carolina, New York, for example, has that same rule. Okay, so 77 million Americans can vote. Well, 77% of all Americans can cast ballots in the fall. This could be a complete cluster F. I mean, it could be a complete mess. And as the USPS says, right, state standards do not meet with how the USPS actually works. They do not meet with the actual standards by which the U.S. Postal Service carries the mail. Okay, so this crosses streams with a second argument that's been happening right now over this new sort of, re uh, the sort of they're calling it a stimulus package. It's not really a stimulus package. The, the new sort of fill in the gap for COVID package that is happening right now. And that is the Democrats have been asking for billions upon billions upon billions of dollars to bail out the Postal Service. 
And they've been claiming that if Republicans do not want to bail out the Postal Service, it's because they're trying to undermine the election. And this is just sheer crap. It is just not true at all. It is just not real. The U.S. Postal Service has been losing money for years. And I mean like 13 straight years as of 2019. They lost $8.8 billion in fiscal year 2019 before COVID. That was more than double its annual loss for fiscal year 2018. That was the largest loss on record to that point. It marked the 13th consecutive year the, the U.S. Postal Service finished in the red. According to the National Taxpayer Union, the latest U.S. Postal Service fiscal report details yet another deep year in the hole and brings the service's total losses to a staggering $75 billion since 2007. It's crystal clear if this were a business competing in the private market, it would have gone bankrupt many years ago. Thanks to government-guaranteed lines of business and the ability to default on obligations with little consequence, the service has managed to limp along. Taxpayers beware you're next in line to cover USPS's shortfalls. Okay, and the reason that the U.S. Postal Service has shortfalls is really not even because of the mail. It's because of the benefits that they are paying out to the U.S. Postal Service Union. That's really the rationale for why exactly they are, they, they've been going bankrupt for years or would be going bankrupt in a normal world. So there are problems with the U.S. Postal Service model, namely that you're spending the same amount of money to send a piece of mail to an outlying area as to not an outlying area. Two, the Postal Service basically is only being paid by Amazon at this point. People just don't send lots of mail. They don't send lots of packages. This has been true for literally years. Before Amazon started sending tons of packages, the Postal Service was basically relegating, relegated to sending like junk ads to your grandmother. I mean, that's what the Postal Service was basically for. According to ThoughtCo.com, the Postal Service carried billion-dollar surpluses for many years before the Internet became widely available to Americans. Once the Internet became available and you started sending email as opposed to sending, you know, actual mail mail, then the Postal Service immediately tanked. Although the Postal Service lost money in the early part of the 2000s, in 2001 and 2003, the most significant losses came after the passage of a 2006 law requiring the agency to refund retiree health benefits. Under the Postal Accountability and Enhancement Act of 2006, the U.S. Postal Service is required to pay $5.4 billion to $5.8 billion annually through 2016 to pay for future retiree health benefits. And it has to be pay-go, right? You pay as you go. That means that they have to pay into the U.S. Postal Service unions. That's really what has been driving the post office bankrupt for quite a long time. And the USPS is an independent agency, but because they've been running in the red for years and years and years, they keep going back to Congress for more and more money. Now, here's the reality. The U.S. Postal Service is in financial distress. It is not going to be insolvent before the 2020 election. According to a good article by Nick Harper over at Medium, it's actually looking at insolvency by like 2021. COVID-19 has really exacerbated a lot of the issues for, uh, for the U.S. Postal Service because mail volume has dropped pretty precipitously and expenses for things like PPE increased. Actually, the heavier the package, the more the Postal Service loses on it. They make money basically on the very light mail. On heavy mail, they lose a lot of money, right? When you send media mailboxes, it doesn't cost you a lot of money. USPS had a $50 billion emergency funding and the authority to borrow another $25 billion from the Treasury. USPS estimated in the spring they'd have an estimated $13 billion budget shortfall compared to $9 billion in fiscal year 2019. But they have sufficient liquidity, according to USPS, to continue operating through at least August 2021. So they are, they are not, in fact in trouble to the extent that they will not be able to operate before the election, right? So the basic idea that if you defund the post office or if you don't fund the post office, which should be running independently, that if you don't do that, the elections will just be skewed. It's not true. It's not true on just a raw level. They have the money to run through 2021. And all of the stuff that they have been doing is really about like, you're seeing a lot of stories about the postal service and shifting around mailboxes and changing mail machines. All that crap is because 
Nobody is sending mail. They are deactivating machines that nobody is using. We'll get to more of this in just one second. Then we'll get to the conspiracy theory that's being built up by Democratic politicians and the media. And then President Trump saying stupid crap about it, which exacerbates the problem. We'll get to that in just one second. First, when you are running a business, HR issues can absolutely kill you. Wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations. HR manager salaries are not cheap. They're an average of 70,000 bucks a year. Bambi, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, was created specifically for small business. You can, you can get a dedicated HR manager, you can craft HR policy, and you can maintain your compliance all for just 99 bucks a month. With Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat. From onboarding to terminations, they customize your policies to fit your business. If you've ever had an HR problem at your company, you know it can be extraordinarily expensive. Compliance is key. And that means that you need somebody doing it. But you can't afford like 75000 bucks for an HR manager. Why not outsource it to people who are pros at this? Let Bambi help. Get your free HR audit today, month to month. No hidden fees. You can cancel anytime. All for just 99 bucks a month. Go to Bambi.com slash Shapiro right now to schedule your free HR audit. That is Bambi.com slash Shapiro. Spell B-A-M to the B-E-E dot com slash Shapiro. Bambi.com slash Shapiro. Schedule that free HR audit and prevent yourself a lot of headaches later by getting that HR all in line with Bambi.com slash Shapiro. Go check them out right now. Okay, so also when we talk about the, the Postal Service, it is important to note that the reason that people have been deactivating particular machines has nothing to do with mail-in voting. It has to do with the fact that the kinds of machines that are generally used for envelopes are not being as frequently utilized as the kinds that are being used for packages. For example, the San Francisco Chronicle reported on August 31st of 2011, for example, that when mailboxes are not being used, they simply are deactivated. And this is the San Francisco Chronicle 2011. Because of steeply declining use, the U.S. Postal Service has removed more than 60% of the blue boxes once common on the American streetscape as lampposts and ice cream trucks. Nothing says you're on an American street more than a blue mailbox, says Nancy Post, postal historian at the Smithsonian. When you take this away, something is lost. But in 1985, there were 400,000 blue mailboxes on American streets. By 2011, there were 160,000. More vanishing every day. Why? Because people weren't using them. Okay, because of the internet. This has been true for a very long time. Okay, it's been true that when the postal service is not using particular types of machine, they've been shutting down those types of machine. So, Several things can be true at once. The Postal Service has been a disaster for a very long time. It does not run at a profit. It does not run like a normal business would. It pays way too high fees in terms of union fees. Publicly, public sector unions negotiating really bad contracts with the U.S. Postal Service and then looking for bailouts from the American taxpayer. The internet killed it. FedEx runs at a profit. UPS runs at a profit. The U.S. Postal Service has long been running at a nonprofit. It is also true that they've been experiencing significant hardship in the middle of COVID because mail volume dropped dramatically, except for things like PPE and some of the Amazon packages. Okay, so when the Republicans say, listen, we're not bailing out the U.S. Postal Service because it needs to get its house in order, there's nothing wrong with that. That makes perfect sense. It's been losing money year on year for 14 straight years, 14 straight years. Okay, but the Democrats have a theory, and their theory is that the reason that Republicans don't want to fund the U.S. Postal Service to the tune of something like $50 billion, the reason they don't want to do that is because they are trying to undermine the election. Now, as I've already explained, that is simply not true. The U.S. Postal Service has the funding, the liquidity, to get through 2020. So it shouldn't have any impact on, no matter what kind of funding you provide to them right now, it's going to have no impact on the election. The real problem for the Postal Service is that their turnaround time is too long for the state regulations as to when you can send in your absentee or mail-in ballots. Okay, so the scandal is a nothing. It's a complete nothing burger. It doesn't matter. The media have decided that President Trump is deliberately trying to kneecap the U.S. Postal Service to prevent people from voting. Okay, so it's really funny. Trump 
is undermining the integrity of the elections because he says things like, if you have universal mail-in balloting, there's going to be a lot of confusion and possibility of fraud. Very bad. He's not allowed to say that. Super, super bad. The Republicans don't want to fund the U.S. Postal Service because it's a bankrupt enterprise and has been for literally a decade. And Democrats in the media claim that there will not be able to be an honest election now. Barack Obama trotted that one out yesterday. Here's Barack Obama over the weekend saying Trump is deliberately trying to kneecap the U.S. Postal Service. What we've seen in a way that is unique to modern political history is a president who's explicit in trying to discourage people from voting. What we've never seen before is a president say, I'm going to try to actively kneecap the Postal Service (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to encourage voting. And I will be explicit about the reason I'm doing it. Yeah, That's sort of unheard of. Okay, so there's Barack Obama throwing out the conspiracy theory. The conspiracy theory is that the U.S. Postal Service is being not properly funded so that we can stop people from, from voting. Okay, and this has gained tremendous currency on the left, like a lot of currency on the left. Carl Bernstein, of Woodward and Bernstein fame. Like, it would be great if he did something since Watergate instead of writing kind of gossipy books from the White House, which is really what he does. He suggested that Trump is a racist trying to undermine the election. It's racist now to say you don't want to fund the U.S. Postal Service. The Voting Rights Act was passed because of great Republicans, the party of Lincoln, not the party of segregation, not the party of exclusion. Today, the Republican Party is returning to the old Southern segregationist Democratic Party by allowing this president of the United States, a racist president with a racist appeal to do this, undermine our electoral system through racist discrimination, using the postal service of Ben Franklin to do it. Oh, come on. I mean, this is I'm sorry. This is just pure, absolute nonsense. Rex Chapman, the former uh, guard in the NBA, played, I believe, for the Phoenix Suns and was fun to watch. Uh, He's kind of an interesting follow on Twitter. He's far to the left, obviously. He tweeted out yesterday a picture from Burbank, right, which is right next door to where we are. And it was just a picture of mailboxes with these red locks on them. It said, Burbank, California, in your entire life, have you ever seen a locked mailbox at the USPS? Now you have. A disgrace, an immediate threat to American democracy. Shame on them. Shame on the GOP. Where are you, Senate Majority Leader? Um. Actually, yes, I have seen locks on postal service boxes because people steal crap out of them. Uh, And also people were not using them. And as it turns out, this has been common practice in the United States for literally decades. So we're just making things up now. Uh, Who was it? Jamie Lee Curtis tweeted out a video of like a truck with mailboxes on the back. She's like, they're removing the mailboxes. They're stopping people from voting by removing the mailbox. No, no, no. This is just a giant weird conspiracy theory that you now have about how we are undermining the U.S. Postal Service to stop mail-in voting. Now, you know what doesn't help is when President Trump says stupid crap. So last week, President Trump lent credibility. Like, literally, this was fact-checked, okay? So Snopes, factcheck.org, even the left-wing fact-checkers were like, this is nonsense. Then Trump goes out there last week, and he's like, you know, if you don't fund the Postal Service, maybe people can't do mail-in voting. It's like, oh, God, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? It's not even true. It's like you watch what the Democrats say, and then you just say the reverse to troll them, which may, in fact, be what he's doing here. Whatever it is, it ain't good. Here was Trump last week giving credibility to a theory that literally has no evidence to back it other than Trump saying silly things on Fox. They want three and a half trillion uh, billion dollars for the mail-in votes. Okay, universal mail-in ballots. Three and a half trillion. They want twenty-five billion dollars billion for the post office. Now they need that money in order to have the post office work, so it can take all of these millions and millions of ballots. Now, in the meantime. They aren't getting there. By the way, those are just two items. 
But if they don't get those two items, that means you can't have universal mail-in voting because they're not equipped to have it. Yeah, that, that is not, it's not even true. Okay, the funding has nothing to do with universal mail-in ballot. Nonetheless, this caused everybody to lose their mind. So people were out there protesting. Louis Joy, who is the head of the U.S. Postal Service, they literally went outside his house in person. So can't vote, right? Can't vote in person in big crowds. Can't do any of that. But can show up outside the home of the head of the U.S. Postal Service en masse, which makes perfect sense. You can show up to shout, but you can't show up to vote. So none of this makes any sense. It is, in fact, a conspiracy theory. So it was worth debunking this ridiculous and stupid conspiracy theory. No, the Republicans are not trying to defund the U.S. Postal Service in order to stop people from engaging in mail-in voting. That makes zero sense whatsoever. Again, it does not matter, though, because the, the, the narrative is now out there. William McRaven, the former retired Navy admiral who was head of U.S. Special Operations Command from 2011 to 2014, he oversaw the killing of bin Laden. He has an editorial today in the Washington Post called Trump is actively working to undermine the Postal Service and every major U.S. institution. Okay, I'm I'm, this grows tiresome. It does. It grows tiresome because, again, it is not backed by any evidence that the U.S. Postal Service is being undermined or that it has any effect on balloting. Meanwhile, Nancy Pelosi playing this one up to the hilt. She is having Postmaster General Louis DeJoy summoned to testify at an urgent House Oversight Committee hearing. Carolyn Maloney, Democrat of New York, called out a startling new revelation about the work of DeJoy. Over the past several weeks, there have been startling new revelations about the scope and gravity of operational changes you are implementing at hundreds of postal facilities without consulting adequately with Congress, the Postal Regulatory Commission, or the Board of Governors. So we're now just trafficking in full-on conspiracy. So here's the good news. The good news is no one's going to believe the election is legit. No one. If Biden loses... They're going to claim that it was because mail-in voting was screwed up by the Trump administration. And if Trump loses, he's going to claim that it was because mail-in voting was allowed by a variety of states who then did ballot harvesting and the confusion allowed the Democrat to win. So good news. This is this is all going to be great. All going to be great, guys. Well done all across the board. And the Democrat, by the way, Trump out there repeating conspiracy theories is real bad. You know what else is real bad? The Democrats in the media giving it credibility simply for political gain, which is what is happening right now. Because again, I just laid out the entire fact base. Okay, there is no fact base to suggest the U.S. Postal Service is being defunded in order to stop mail-in balloting. It is crap. It is not true. Okay, in a second, we're going to get to why, in fact, all this attention is being paid to sillinesses like the U.S. Postal Service. When Joe Biden is the nominee and Kamala Harris is his running mate and Joe Biden has disappeared, like literally he is not there. He's, he's running the most absentee. He should vote by absentee ballot. He, he's, he's running the most absentee campaign in the history of the American Republic. It's incredible. We're going to get to that in just one moment. First, let's talk about how hiring can be pretty complicated these days. So you really need to take advantage of the avenues that allow you to hire quickly and easily and get the best person. I'm talking about ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job sites, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and then actively invites them to apply to your job. ZipRecruiter makes the entire hiring process efficient and effective, features screening questions to filter candidates, and an an all-in-one dashboard where you can review and rate those candidates. ZipRecruiter is so effective that Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate candidate within the very first day. This is really, really important. For example, we had a great producer here named Katie, and she just decided to move on. She apparently wants to teach at schools that no longer exist, but we need to replace Katie. And so where have we gone? We have gone to ZipRecruiter. Right now, to try ZipRecruiter for free, my listeners can go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E. ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire. Go check them out. ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. There's a reason we use ZipRecruiter and you should too. Okay, we're going to get to 
Joe Biden's absentee campaign. And we'll get to the destruction of America's major cities. A lot to get to still. First, I want to thank all of you for your amazing enthusiasm for my new book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. The book has been on the New York Times bestseller list for three straight weeks now. It's got a ton of positive reviews on Amazon and other booksellers. The book, as you know, covers the disintegrationist philosophy of the left in the United States. That is, to make real social progress, we have to dissolve the entire American system and replace it with a radically new system, essentially stepping stones toward a Marxist pit of despair. This is really evident in the recent selection of Kamala Harris for vice president of the United States, who truly believes that America is based in nasty founding ideals. I mean, unlike Biden tries to paper this over, but Kamala Harris really does not. I mean, she's an endorser of the 1619 Project. She believes that America is fundamentally at root racist, sexist, bigoted, homophobic. How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps details how radicals like Kamala Harris have gained such prominence and offers suggestions on where we should go from here. You can get your copy at Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. If you like the book, please hop in, leave a five-star review, which keeps it higher on the charts so more people see it. Go ahead and enjoy. Also, got to tell you about our most exclusive membership tier over at Daily Wire. I'm talking about all access. All Access members get to join All Access Live. That's our exclusive live stream discussions hosted every night by each of the hosts, including moi. This Thursday, August 20th, we'll be doing a very special live stream watch party covering the Democratic National Convention's biggest speakers with Daily Wire's own Matt Walsh. Can you wait for the Billy, what is her name, Billy Eilish? I guess she's performing at the DNC. She looks extraordinarily enthusiastic, sort of like a, a commercial for IBS. If you actually look at the graphic the DNC put out, that's that's what it looks like. So we will be similarly enthusiastic, I'm sure. The stream starts at 8.45 p.m. Eastern, 5.45 p.m. Pacific. Don't miss this huge opportunity to tune in and mock watch the final night of the DNC with Matt Walsh. All Access membership also features exclusive access to live online discussions with our hosts, writers and daily and special guests, along with not one but two leftist tiers tumblers with your membership, as well as early and sometimes ex- exclusive access to new Daily Wire products. So, Head on over to dailywire.com slash Shapiro right now. You get 20% off all access with coupon code access. That is an extraordinary deal. That's dailywire.com slash Shapiro with coupon code access to get 20% off your membership. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. All righty. So where is Joe Biden? Right. We're all talking about the mail and Trump trying to pervert the mail and it's all nonsense. So where's Joe Biden? Right. Wouldn't you think that Joe Biden would be at the top of the news. I mean, he just picked a VP candidate, but where is he? He's gone. Poof. This is the week before the convention. Okay, the Democrats are having their convention this week. Now, I know it's going to be a ridiculous online convention featuring a few phone-in Zoom videos from various liberal stars in Hollywood. There's not going to be a big balloon drop. Like, not, nothing of real importance is going to go on. But still, normally, this is the time when all focus shifts to the Democrat, right? It wouldn't be on Trump. It would be on the Democrat. Joe Biden, however, has dug himself a hidey hole, and he is hiding in it. He's just hiding in that hidey hole. So much so that the weekend before the Democratic National Convention, Biden and Harris, neither one of them appeared on a single Sunday show. Not one. Chris Wallace, who again was, you know, did this very critical interview with Trump in which Trump said he's never going to appear with you. Trump was right on that one. Here was Chris Wallace over the weekend being like, what in the hell? The Biden campaign had no one on the shows. It was Bernie Sanders acting as a surrogate for Biden on the Sunday shows the week before the DNC which is pretty much unheard of. Here's Chris Wallace being very confused. They are not putting anybody out. And at first I thought, well, maybe it's because it's Fox News and they're boycotting us. No, they're not putting anybody out on any of the Sunday shows. Point, I don't understand what's going on here. This is the damnedest thing I've ever seen that you would, you know, you're basically giving a campaign. And as I say, it's a traditional thing. We're going to do it for the Republicans uh, a week from Sunday. 
what are you trying to accomplish this week? And they, the Biden campaign isn't putting anybody out. Which is pretty incredible, right? I mean, you would think that now would be the time when he's really, really pushing. Instead, he's playing it safe. Now, I will say that as a strategy, I get it. But the football team that plays it safe loses. And once you go to prevent defense, it's almost a guarantee that somebody is going to throw a Hail Mary pass that ends up doing some serious damage to you. You see this with sports teams all the time. They have a big lead. They start nursing that lead. They sort of hope that the clock runs out. You're seeing that from Biden right now to the point where even Brian Stelter on CNN, who's just a lackey for the Democratic Party, and he's a very reliable source over on CNN. I mean, last week, Brian Stelter was the guy defending Joe Biden against charges that he lost something off his fastball by suggesting that Joe Biden can ride a bicycle. But even Brian Stelter was like, at some point, shouldn't Joe Biden do like a presser at some point, like at all, like just come out of that basement for like five seconds and at least tell us whether winter is coming, like a groundhog or something before he's murdered by Bill de Blasio. Anyway, here was Brian Stelter. Here's Trump, you know, calling into Fox News, giving an interview to Sinclair this week, holding briefings. Biden, on the other hand, is having very formal events, giving speeches. Uh, they're perfectly executed from a campaign point of view. But the press is asked to leave the room. We barely get to ask any questions of Biden these days. I understand it is savvy campaign strategy to keep him away from questioners. Uh, but John Harris, don't they have to have a press conference? Nope, they don't. You know why? Because of the compliant media every single day. Biden and Harris do some sort of public event, and then they just sit there and do nothing for like two minutes, pretend to sign documents, and then they walk out the door. And everybody's like, well, that was that was weird. I mean, shouldn't they answer a question? Well, the good news is we know that Joe Biden is doing interviews. He is, in fact, doing interviews, but only with the most ridiculous among us. So we've been told that Donald Trump is an entertainer, right? He doesn't take politics seriously. He is not a serious person, Donald Trump. Right? He's a reality TV star. He's not a serious politician like Joe Biden, for example. He's not like Barack Obama, who did an interview with Glozell, a lady who was most famous for taking a bath in Cheerios, not kidding, or Fruit Loops. Okay, Joe Biden did not give any interview over the course of the last week since, since the Harris election to anyone in the media. But he did talk to, and I will admit, she is Shakespearean. She's a seminal cultural figure. She is, she is a brilliant political commentator, Cardi B. I've been informed of all those things over the course of the last week and a half since I made fun of her horrible song, Wet Ass P-Word. Again, for purposes of radio, P-Word gang. Okay, so he gave an interview to Cardi B. He gave an interview to Cardi B. Not Chris Wallace, not Jake Tapper, not even a friendly like George Stephanopoulos. He gave an interview to Cardi B for Elle magazine. It was very, very important that Joe Biden, who likes to sniff women's hair, was interviewed by a woman who liked to drug and rob men. It was, it was very, like, deeply important. The Shakespeare of our time, one of the great poets of Western civilization, it goes like, basically, John Milton, Cardi B, Lord Alfred Tennyson. That's pretty much how it goes. This is what I've been told. I'm, okay, I'm not speaking here, okay? I'm just telling you what the media have informed me. So I think it's actually really, like, if I had to choose... Whether Joe Biden should speak to, you know, a member of the press who knows things about politics, for example, like Jonathan Swan, or talk to the lady who was most recently seen. I'm going to avoid some of the terminology. Looking for a bucket and a mop with um, with Megan the Stallion in a music video involving gushing water coming out a front door that wasn't actually gushing water. If he has to choose between, you know, interviewing with the editorial board of The New York Times, even which is friendly and interviewing with the incredible creator of WAP. Obviously, I mean, who who wouldn't make this choice? Here was Joe Biden being interviewed by Cardi B and listen to the level of questioning. I mean, it is it is astonishing. He, he's a serious candidate, though. He's super, super serious. 
He's super serious. You can tell she's serious, by the way, because she put on her journalist outfit. She's not wearing the, the routine from WAP. Now she's got on her like Lois Lane outfit. Here was Cardi B <laughs> talking to Joe Biden, who will not do an interview with an actual journalist, but will talk to the lady who is most famously strutting around talking about the moisture state of her vagina five seconds ago. I, of course, want free Medicare. And this is why it's important to have free Medicare, because look, look, look what's happening right now. You see why we should have been having free Medicare for a long time. I, of course, think that we need a uh, free college education. That's second. And I want black people to stop getting killed and no justice for it. I'm tired of it. Well, it's just like Jonathan Swan. It's like Jonathan Swan or Chris Wallace. By the way, I mean, she, she says that she wants free health care and that she wants free college. She, she, by the way, tells her story of her college experience. And she says that she had to work her way through college. She doesn't talk about the part where the working way through college involved drugging and robbing men. That's literally what she has said in interviews before. That part she skipped over because it didn't really fit in the interview. Anyway, it's she wants so she wants free college, free health care and she wants black people to stop getting randomly killed by, by the cops, which, again, is statistically not happening. OK, and here was Joe Biden's answer, which they didn't actually put up at L. Here was the actual answer. OK, there's no reason why we can't have all of that. Presidents have to take responsibility. I understand one of your favorite presidents is Franklin Roosevelt. Roosevelt said the American people can take anything if you tell them the truth. Sometimes the truth is hard. But right now we're in a position where we have an opportunity to make so much progress. The American public has taken the blinders off. So in other words, he's going to give you free health care, which doesn't exist. There's no such thing as free health care. There's just government funded health care through taxpayer dollars. And it comes with an awful lot of costs. And then he's going to give free college. So we're going to make sure that everybody can spend taxpayer dollars majoring in gender studies theory where they learn that Cardi B is like a Shakespearean figure. And also, he's going to make sure that black people are not randomly shot for no reason by the cops, which he's just going to go along with that supposition. Really solid stuff here, Joe Biden. I can see why he did this incredibly, incredibly important interview with Cardi B. So he's avoiding real interviews, but he's doing interviews with Cardi B. What a campaign. Meanwhile, his running mate, Kamala Harris, so she appeared with Stephen Colbert, again, doing real hard-hitting interviews here with, with folks like Stephen Colbert. Stephen Colbert asked her, remember that time you were calling, remember that time you, you were actually calling your running mate a racist who might have raped people? <laughs> remember that time? It was kind of awkward, right? You were out there and you are like, well, he might be a sexual harasser, might be a sexual assault. I don't know. Remember that time that you were saying that he was going to prevent little girls like you from going to school? And Kamala Harris is like, <laughs> she breaks into awkward laugh. And then she admits full on that she's just a damned liar. So here's Stephen Colbert. And, and, and even Colbert was like, um, this is awkward because now you're basically just admitting that you're a horrible politician who lies a lot. Here was a, a very awkward moment. The media will completely just forget five seconds from now. And how do you go from being such a passionate opponent on such bedrock principles for you? And, and now you guys seem to be pals. It was a debate. <laughs> Not everybody landed punches like you did, though. It I was mean, a debate. <laughs> so you don't mean it. It was a debate that the whole reason, literally, it was a debate. It was called a debate. <laughs> Slap on that Cesar Romero and go for it, man. It was a debate. So I was a damn liar. I was lying. Okay, some of us at the time said she was a damn liar. There were some of us at the time who said she's lying right now. She doesn't support force busing. She's just going after Joe Biden. And people are like, no, 
There was a little girl living in the Berkeley area who almost couldn't go to an integrated school because of Joe Biden. She's sincere. She is authentic. She's experienced the lives of hardship of people of color in the United States because of people like Joe Biden. You remember that? Remember that time? And now here she's on Colbert being like, yeah, I just lie. I just lie. <laughs> isn't that kind of incredible? I mean, truly, isn't that kind of amazing? Like she doesn't even have to come up with a plausible explanation on how she shifted from Biden, is he a rapist or a racist, to Biden is the greatest thing since sliced bread, and I love him so much. And also, by the way, here's a cup of hemlock for you, Joe. Like, isn't it incredible how she went from Joe Biden is the worst person I've ever met to Joe Biden is the greatest, most wonderful, kindest human being I've ever met, Manchurian candidate style, remember? And then she openly admits that she was just lying because it was a debate. I mean, isn't that kind of unbelievable? How does she get away with that? How? How does she get away with And you know the answer, how she gets away with that. Because the media do not give two dams. The same people who will sit there and call Donald Trump a liar day after day after day and rightly call him out when he does something that is wrong and sometimes not rightly call him out when he does something that isn't particularly wrong. They will sit there and pretend this never happened. They will pretend that it's okay for Joe Biden to hide in the basement and talk to Cardi B, but not journalists, and for Kamala Harris to go on national television and say openly that she is a damned liar. That in debate, you're allowed to say anything, anything. It's absolutely incredible. So, you know, just, just worthy of note, when the media focus endlessly on the U.S. Postal Service and the scandal therein, a scandal that does not exist, and ignore the fact that Kamala Harris just outed herself as an open liar about her own running mate, just recognize that we are living in a universe where truth does not matter. The only thing that matters is the narrative. And we should all just continue to believe, believe, listen, and believe. Joe Biden is a great candidate. He has not lost anything off his fastball. And Kamala Harris is authentic and wonderful and completely honest with you, the American people. Alrighty, so I want to do a quick thing I like. So last week I had the opportunity to interview the vice president of the United States, Mike Pence, on the radio show. So we're going to play some of that now in case you missed it. And then um, we'll see you here later today or see you tomorrow. Here's what it sounded like last week when I talked with the Vice President Pence. We're joined on the line by Vice President of the United States, Mike Pence. Uh, thank you, Ben. Great to be back on the Ben Shapiro show. So let's talk about the fact that Joe Biden has now selected his vice presidential candidate uh, in a decision that surprised very few people. Yeah. It was Kamala Harris, the senator from California. So your thoughts on the person you will now be facing in the sole vice presidential debate. I think the fact that Joe Biden named California liberal Senator Kamala Harris as his running mate confirms everything President Trump and I have been saying, that Joe Biden and the Democratic Party have been overtaken by the radical left. I mean, Joe Biden and, and Kamala Harris want higher taxes, socialized medicine, open borders, abortion on demand, and, and they support cutting funding to the police. I think I think Senator uh, Kamala Harris actually said that it was time to reimagine the police department in the wake of all the violence that we're seeing in places like Portland and Seattle and New York City. And, and uh, the president and I, by contrast, uh, have a record of cutting taxes, uh, rolling back regulations at an unprecedented level, unleashing American energy, standing up for the right to life, for the liberties that make this country great. And I promise you and your listeners, Ben, that we will always a stand with the men and women who serve on the thin blue line of law enforcement. That's the choice. That's the contrast. But Joe Biden's selection uh, of, uh, of Senator Kamala Harris, just again, I, I just think it's an affirmation of, of everything that we've seen about the way the radical left is dominating the Democratic Party. 
That's the message I had in Iowa yesterday. We're going to take that message on the road next week to Wisconsin and Florida, all across this country and all the way through victory on November 3rd. Yeah, Vice President Pence, uh, there's been a lot of talk about how vice presidential selections generally don't affect elections overall, that it's top of the ticket election. I don't think that's the case this time. Biden has declared himself a transitional figure in the Democratic Party by picking Kamala Harris. He's essentially said that he himself is a Trojan horse for Kamala Harris's ideology. 60% of Americans, according to a Rasmussen poll, are suspicious that Biden will not even finish his first term. How important do you think his VP pick actually is to the American people? Should it matter? Well, I I think Joe Biden's agenda of the radical left confirmed in his selection of someone who was recognized as the most liberal member of the United States Senate in, in 2019. Uh, is is the real issue here? Then I, I really believe that when when if you want to if you want to know what Joe Biden is planning to transition us to in this country, you you needed look no further than the unity agenda that he and Bernie Sanders unveiled about a month ago. I mean, I mean, the reality is where President Trump set this nation on a path of of freedom and opportunity grounded in the principles of a strong military, free market economics, appointing conservatives to our courts at every level. The Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders unity agenda would set us inexorably on a path of socialism and decline. And so I I think, you know, uh, uh, as I said before, I think his selection of, uh, of Senator Kamala Harris is just a confirmation of, of the path that Joe Biden and uh, his candidacy were on from the point early in, in his campaign. I mean, it's an amazing thing. You know that, that I couldn't be more proud to serve alongside the most pro-life president in the United States. And, and Ben, I've always admired your strong stand for the sanctity of life. And Joe Biden was one of those Democrats throughout his career that while he said he supported abortion rights, that like many, he supported the Hyde Amendment, which prevented taxpayer dollars from being used to pay for abortions. But even that Joe Biden abandoned uh, over the last year, that now he supports taxpayer funding of abortion is calling for record increases in funding for Planned Parenthood of America. And uh, it's just one issue after another where you see that Joe Biden and the Democratic Party have been overtaken by the radical left. That's why the choice in this election has never been clearer. The stakes have never been higher. And that's the message uh, that the president, that uh, that his running mate uh, that's talking to you right now are going to take all across this country. And I and I believe I believe we're going to we're going to see a great victory, a great victory come Vice, November 3rd. Vice President Pence, how do you plan to pin down Kamala Harris on her position? So the media have already been, been shockingly attempting to portray her as moderate. The New York Times laughably called her a pragmatic moderate in, in its initial tweet about Kamala Harris. Again, she is the leftmost senator in the United States. They're trying to pr- proclaim that she's actually of the center. But Kamala Harris has an extraordinary record of shifting her positions on everything from Medicare for all. She was for it before she was against it, before she was sort of for it, before she was against it again, to Joe Biden himself, who she essentially implied was a a racist in open debate who was attempting to stop her from attending an integrated school when she was a small child. Now, of course, he's a warrior for the people. How do you plan to pin Kamala Harris down when she has been so squishy on so many issues? Well, you know, my second favorite president is Abraham Lincoln. In fact, I have a portrait in my office here at the White House that was dated back from... uh, the days of his administration. Abraham Lincoln said it best, Ben. He said, give the people the facts and the republic will be saved. 
<laughs> that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do with Joe Biden. That's what we're going to do with California liberal Senator Kamala Harris. We're just going to tell the American people where they want to go. I mean, it, it is an amazing thing to think about. I mean, here we are in the midst of a global pandemic, and we grieve for the loss of more than 160,000 Americans. We've been working 24 hours a day to have the testing, to have the equipment, to have the medical supplies, to have the medicines. We're driving relentlessly toward a vaccine. But what we're also doing is we're opening up America again. I mean, we've literally seen 9 million Americans go back to work uh, and reclaim jobs in this economy. Um, in, in the last three months alone, we're opening up our schools all across the country. But Joe Biden and Kamala Harris want to raise taxes by $4 trillion. They want to impose a $2 trillion version of the Green New Deal. At a time when the American economy is recovering and, and we're adding jobs back at, at, at a historic pace, their prescription alone for the economy would would crush the vitality out of the recovery that's underway. And I, I just think presenting all of those facts, laying out the contrast in the choice in this election, I truly do believe that, that uh, you know, President Trump demonstrated in our first three years that we could be strong again, we could be prosperous again by advancing policies of less taxes, less regulation, more American energy, free and fair trade, standing on our highest constitutional principles of life and liberty and the Second Amendment, their policies would not only crush the vitality out of this economy, but take us on a leftward turn of socialism and decline. And when we frame that choice for the American people, uh, I, I, uh, uh, it, I, I'm I'm very confident we're going to win four more years for President Donald Trump in the White House. And Vice President Pence, how do you plan to fend off the attacks from the media that any critique of Kamala Harris is, in fact, a reflection of sexism and racism? We've seen this narrative being trotted out that if President Trump calls her phony, it's because it's a sexist or racist attack that if he says her treatment of Brett Kavanaugh was nasty, which technically it was, uh, that that is a reflection of sexism and racism. How do you plan to fight back against those charges? Well, we're just going to we're going to deal with it, the facts every single step of the way. And and um, look, the media is going to do what the media is going to do. I, I have to tell you, I was uh, uh, I was I was chuckling uh, the other day when I heard that The New York Times had done a story describing the most liberal member of the United States Senate as a moderate, as a pragmatic <laughs> moderate. And then, and then you saw newspapers and and uh, and also, um, you know, their adherence on a couple of the major cable networks repeating the same language. But look, I think it kind of reminds me of what Groucho Marx said years ago. Um, he said, who are you going to believe me or your own eyes? Right. I mean, the Democrats and the liberals in the media, you know, want to say, no, believe us. When we try and tell you, as he, as now Joe Biden's campaign is trying to say that he's a moderate, but the American people see it. I mean, they, they see it. plans to raise taxes by trillions of dollars. They see a, a march towards socialized medicine, a commitment to open borders and, and, and health benefits for illegal immigrants. They see it abortion on demand, taxpayer funding of abortion. And and I think most poignant of all, and you've talked a lot about this, Ben, but, you know, at a time when we see a rise of heartbreaking violence tearing apart our cities in New York and Seattle and Portland and Chicago, 
You've got Joe Biden. He's asked if he'd be willing to cut funding to law enforcement. He said, yes, absolutely. You have you have his running mate who said uh, who said that, that it was time to, quote, reimagine law enforcement. I, I, I have to tell you that, that that that's when I was in Iowa yesterday, I was surrounded in a barn by law enforcement officers and their families. Uh, I'm I believe with all of my heart that when we lay out that agenda, when we stick to those facts, we give the American people a clear choice. Uh, they're going to choose to reelect President Donald Trump and, and support an agenda that made America great in three short years. It's going to make America great again, again, with four more years. <laughs> Vice President Mike Pence, really appreciate your time. Congratulations on uh, entering a politically target rich environment. <laughs> I appreciate it. And uh, good luck, sir. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Great to be back on the Ben Shapiro Show. <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas, executive producer Jeremy Boring, supervising producer Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling, assistant director Pavel Wydowski, Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Playback and media operated by Nick Sheehan. Associate producer, Katie Swinnerton. Edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. Democrats accuse President Trump of trying to steal the election through the post office. Kamala Harris may not be eligible to be vice president. And the lockdowns have young adults contemplating suicide. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 